1: This is just a creepy vibe yeah
2: you're not dealing with uh typical you know typical cemetery areas. You, know, you know we're gearing up to go to
1: bed and that's where we go is to our tent and this is when all hell breaks loose and so i kind of like look up and i just remember seeing the best way i can describe it is little hands pushing on every area of the tent every area you at right, Hello, hello. Welcome to Supernatural Station. I'm your host, Roman Daniels. Uh, today's going to be a little bit different than my typical show. Typically, I'm solo, but today I'm joined by my twin brother, Jaron Daniels. What's hanging? What's crackalackin'? And a really close cousin who's basically a brother, Sean Lawrence. Hello. Nice to uh, be on the show. The reason that I have these guys with me is because together we've had some interesting paranormal experiences and uh, we just wanted to share those on the show tonight. So to say the least. Where, uh, where should we begin?
2: I, I think that we should just kind of go around the table. What do you guys think? Just Sounds kinda, good. Let's just kind of bounce, uh, talk about some of our more <clears throat> infamous ones that have stuck together, uh, stuck in our memories over the last decade or so. And the the one that jumps to me right away is obviously Schofield. So Yeah, Jaron, didn't you have this story on another uh, podcast?
1: Yeah, just to throw in a little tag for these guys, because they were so nice to put us on there, um, Belief Hole. You should go check out their podcast, too. I don't know them personally, but they're they're great. Um, similar vibe to what we're trying to do here, I guess. I mean, just telling true stories. Yeah, you could say we're probably inspired a little bit by them on this one, right? I mean, it's just cool. Like, I think the way that they explain things is really great. I mean they're telling other people's stories we're telling our stories that's going to be a little bit unique
2: yeah i really enjoyed the f- at the end there they uh, they they kind of went the extra mile i haven't heard him really do that with a whole lot of stories where they kind of give you the background context of what's going on but uh it's it's going to be cool to be able to tell you firsthand from the people who've experienced it for sure
1: so i guess so i'll, I'll kind of start it out so um we used to go to schofield it was a family gathering a family reunion of sorts um for us to go and we go every July, um, it was actually around the 4th of July time frame, um, they would do what was called Pleasant Valley Days and it's this, you know, basically kind of a just kind of a, a pioneer rally almost right. like a, a fun American pride type thing, which we're always down for. And they would do, you know, fireworks, so basically what Schofield is, is it's this old historic mining town. What's the population now? I mean, it's next oh, to now. nobody. 45 people, maybe?
2: Yeah, next to, <laughs> next to almost next to nothing now, at least the last, last year when we went.
1: Because Schofield Schofield, Utah is what we're talking about. It's it's high country so it's like bear country it's super high up it's got a lot of snowfall i mean it's not a place that's easy to live year round you know yeah um, picture this it's kind of like uh you drive in the town you come around a loop and there's a lake right in front of you it's a reservoir i guess technically but it's a reservoir and then you go around and there's some cabins right on the one side of the reservoir and you go past that and then it's just the old town like honestly that's all it is
2: yeah it it, it totally is a. It, it totally reminds you of a beetlejuice Kind of town. There's Perfect. a cemetery up up at the top of the hill that kind of overlooks the town. You have maybe one store, a barber. Maybe if, if there's even a barber shop there.
1: Yeah, I don't even know if there's any like full time ongoing stores that are like year round, except for the gas station store. That's and it, it. kind of smells like railroad tracks, cedar wood, um, mm-hmm. mothballs, mothballs, <laughs> <laughs> and wildflowers. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's it.
2: So yeah, you get you get the image of just a uh, one one road that is basically your main road. It's a passerby road.
1: It's like um, a loop around.
2: Yeah. You pass through the town going your way, I think going to Helper.
1: Yeah. Going yep. that
2: direction. So a lot of traffic, not a lot of stops though.
1: Yeah. It's like one of those places people are like, no, I'm not really stopping here. Unless you're a big fisherman or something, because that reservoir is a good fishing spot. So a lot of people come just to fish, you know, and that's pretty we much still it. say we get a saloon made in there. I'm we do, so we do have to do that. a saloon. That'd be awesome. Make some money place. for the town. We have some good ideas.
2: We have some good <laughs> ideas to bring that town back. To All back these today.
1: broken hoagies, like trying to, <laughs> coming home, super tired. I ain't coming home yet.
2: So imagine a town like that. It takes Get me
1: some to get whiskey.
2: <laughs> By the time you get home, you got to get back out and get out there. It's again. always so. how it is.
1: Well, speaking of the, the cemetery, it's kind of crazy when you get there. We're just going off to kind of give you a little bit of an image of... Of the town and kind of help you visualize it it's it's really um it's kind of jarring when you get up to that cemetery it's the one that overlooks the whole town because you you walk in and there's these old school metal gates that you walk through you know it's a Schofield cemetery and right before you get in there's a monument that's out there and the monument talks about the mine disaster that happened and for those who are not familiar the mine disaster was one of the biggest ones probably the biggest mine disaster but you know bar a few maybe in the west and it took place in 1900 it was may 1st 1900 and so when you get up there you look at the gravestones and almost every single one of them and there's a few that aren't but almost every single one of them says may 1st 1900 and a lot of them are no name a lot of them are broken now like just people maybe families have passed on and there nobody's taking care of the gravestone, so it's ominous and rest in peace to the people that passed away i mean it's that's part of the the fun of the town though i guess for us when we were that age we were like man this is just a creepy vibe you know because we're young ghost hunters back then we were always dabbling with like ghost hunting, you know, trying to find the next place to go, find a way to get into and investigate, and so. But you know, Sean, I think Sean knows a little bit more about maybe the history because he read a whole book on mine disasters and stuff. I remember that.
2: Yeah, it was a it was a while ago, but the, the, it's just uh, I just wanted to add when you walk into the cemetery, it's always interesting, uh, a really eerie, ominous feeling when you see almost all of the graves, almost, not quite, almost all the graves with the same death date on them. It, it really makes you think. You know, you're not dealing with uh, typical, you know, typical cemetery. You're dealing with a very um, tragic, tragic stain you know, mass murder history that had happened there. And what a
1: place to cause a lot of um, energy, right? Well, you know, negative energy for sure. There's places that cause a lot of positive energy and that was one of those that caused just a riff in time of negative energy, you know? You know what that reminds me of? Actually, it just popped in my head, but we were actually ghost hunting one night up there and this is besides this main story we're going to get into. But we were ghost hunting up there. And I remember, I think it was my cousin Sean here. And I think Roman was right by him, uh, the main was narrator. there, yeah. And they were up there a ways from me. And I think there was a guy that they read the name on the tombstone. And when they read it, we were using an EVP recorder. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It records audio frequencies that you can't hear with your ears. And you can play it back. And it's usually used for ghost hunting. All of a sudden, they played it back. And they said... Is this Robert Griffith or I can't remember William what his name something? One thing.
2: It was, yeah, it was. Um, oh, what was it, George? I still. Have, oh, George, you're right. It was George, George something, something, and
1: he from was from Wales. the UK, right? From Wales, Wales. and right. so they said, "Is this him?" Blah blah blah, or they said something like that, and he's and we played back the recording, and it said. No, why?
2: So if I remember right, at the uh, I actually asked the recording. Um, I said, let's hear some ghost voices through the tape recorder. Mm-hmm. And then we were standing by the guy, George something from, from, he was originally from Wales, so you would imagine an English accent. And the response we got that we didn't hear with our ears, but when we played the tape back was uh, a very prominent English accent. No way.
1: Yeah, I just said, no, why? And you guys are in luck because we're just going to play that EVP for you right now. Here we go
2: some ghost voices through the tape recorder. How wide? How wide? How wide? Yeah, it's uh, the cemetery's creepy vibe. Lots of lots of uh, just unknown graves, but where we're going is the the mine disaster that the monument that's out in the in the front of the graveyard is represents 1901 explosion that basically killed a, a ton of miners and left a lot of uh, widows and children. In fact, the there is a school that we will talk about in a little bit that housed as a place for the corpses to be identified, that the explosion was so bad. And the the interesting thing is, is the Winter Quarters is kind of just up this small road, right? It's a, it's a dirt road that's kind of off the main highway. And um, the great thing about, um, it's owned by private property, and the great thing about um, going... To Scoville, at least back when we went during Pleasant um, Valley days, correct? Yeah. yeah, Pleasant Valley days. The owners of that property usually left the gate open for people to be able to walk uh, up that road a little ways to be able to get to where the actual mining explosion occurred.
1: Right, right? and when you when you get up there, they actually have um, a building that's just what it, what's left is basically just two walls and a foundation. You know what it is? It's the old general store, so it's like an L shape that's left, and it's supposed so it's missing two walls basically. And, of course, levels. Like, it's just crazy looking. No windows, just an ominous... You can see it through the middle of the canyon as you're walking up to it, and it's just a creepy, creepy vibe. Creep we have pictures test. Imagine of Imagine being too. there at nighttime. We didn't go at night, luckily, but imagine being there at night. That would be a No, they tried thing. to get us to go at night one time, and that was a little wrong for me. I was... <laughs> We're not that brave.
2: Yeah, that, it's... Uh... That's for the um, mountain lions and everything else that could be up there besides the ghosts and the... Goolies. Things like that. Yeah, what, what we're, we were so this general store is kind of the main entry point, right, of where the winter quarters kind of mining town began. It kind of went up the canyon a little ways, but um, the pivotal point was the, the general store is that's when you knew you got into the area. Right. You line. knew you
1: were at Winter Quarters and where the whole explosion pretty much started, you know?
2: And it was interesting because when, at least for guys, when I was there, every time we, I don't know what it was if you guys got the same thing, but when I saw the store from a distance as we were getting closer and closer, it was almost as if the environment started changing. It's almost like it, it, kind of going back oh, in time, right? Oh, I know time, what you about right? to say. I,
1: yeah, it felt, it felt like an optical illusion a little bit or something. Mm-hmm. I remember... From a distance, you'd think that the way that the wall was facing was was a different direction than it actually was when you actually got up to it. You know, like a weird play of eyes, like a mirage type thing, you know, which was weird in itself. Yeah, and I felt like the air was heavy. Like, you're walking in there and it was normal at first. You're kind of hiking up a hill. It's not a big hill, but it's just a hill. And you're fine. All of a sudden, you get closer to that and it just kind of feels heavy. You feel a little bit drained. You feel kind of concerned all of a sudden, and you feel like you're in a different time. It's and you kind of feel weird. like you're being watched. I always felt that when we were up there, like we're being watched by something or somebody, right?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because um, that it's something. It's interesting when you're in the presence of something that historically uh, was traumatic. It's yeah. almost like you you can pick up on the, what's left over of that residual effect. Right, and you feel it, right? You're not consciously thinking about it, but you do definitely feel what took place there as if it was a loop. Yeah, this, this yeah.
1: is where science and ghosts are proven right. You see what I'm saying? Because <laughs> science says that energy never goes away. Yep, and you know, I and think you can feel it. Like, I, what we were going to talk about was that school. So the school is actually a really important part of this, our story. Um, it's actually kind of the starting point of what happened to us that fateful night, if you guys remember. So we'll, we'll kind of go there. The school is, Sean was talking about how that's where they would um, house some of the bodies, the charred bodies, to kind of store them until they could identify them and try to figure out who they were. And I mean, what a daunting task that would have been anyway. But I mean, up at Winter Quarters, before we get to the school, the crazy thing is, is once you're at that general store, we kind of walked ahead a little bit further. We've done this a few times, but this one time was like, I don't know, you're looking around at the mountainsides and you're kind of taking it all in. And there's just, there's just honestly like a mountainside that's 25 feet away. And you can see mining carts up there.
2: Oh, it's way more than 25 feet. We're talking probably a quarter mile. Oh, yeah. Actually, you're right. A quarter mile. Because there's a ravine that you have to kind of cross to get to the other And side. it's
1: on the top of the other peak. You see these mining carts. So you know that explosion was a banger. Well, I think it was started, if you read about it, it was started by black powder, right? And so it was this massive explosion, like you know, gunpowder type stuff. Yeah,
2: And you're dealing with, uh, with an explosion in a small, confined, compressed area underneath the ground. You know, So think of it like a loaded gun.
1: Yeah, and they say the fire kept burning for a long period of time underground, you know, in that mine itself. Some
2: people still say that there's probably parts that still burn, but I'm not entirely sure if that's warrantable, but it definitely would make sense. It would. So, yeah, so where we were going is, uh, so we get up to this mining town, and uh, I start looking around. For remnants, and it's not to be disrespectful, but it takes—you gotta—you gotta, you gotta understand—it takes a little while to get up there. I mean, it takes probably what 25, 30 minutes. Yeah, it's a good so little hike. Walk, and so I'm a fan of historical artifacts and remnants. Um, so I, I start looking around, and you can just see remnants of mining equipment just absolutely everywhere, especially if you dig in the dirt. And I ended up finding this, um, I think it was like some kind of a railroad-looking spike that they would spike down to the mining cart yeah. um, track. Yep. Um, and you could tell it was definitely from that era. But well, I thought, you know, lo and behold, go against everything ghost hunters, right? Never <laughs> you it. don't take artifacts. So I took
1: it. Unless you're Zach Bagans. Yeah. Might as Which, well psych on that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. see what He's the ghost hunters He's guy. He's probably he has that getting haunted a lot. He's just not Museum, museum about of it. <laughs> artifacts. But anyway, back to you.
2: No, it's okay. Uh, so I took this thing, right? Um, and that should be, don't ever take anything, guys. Disclaimer, if you find something that's even as cool as you think it is, leave it alone. Not only leave it alone for the respect, but leave it alone because it's not yours to take. It's not worth it. It's just, yeah. So I take this item. I, I You know, I, I have this I, I'll, I'll leave it here, but I'll have this item for the next year until we go back the following. And that becomes a, an interesting point.
1: Was it when, was it then that we took it or that you took it rather? Cause I'm not taking that blame that, uh, <laughs> grandpa said something to you or was it the year later?
2: No, it was the, the when you took it, it right? was the time that we got back. Yeah. Um, the same year, it wasn't until the following year that I actually got rid of it. And that's because I had some, a lot of strange things happen at the McClellan house, but.
1: So, you know, older generations are smarter than us, or I guess just wise, right? I feel like I get wiser every day, maybe. We'll see what happens. But basically, you go, we come back, he has the steak in his hand. We didn't really say much about it. I think we might We might have brought it up to my grandpa. But my grandpa's just chilling on the patio in his rocking chair, and he's smiling at us a little bit. He's got a cool grin going and a handsome older, older dude. We walk up to him, and he says something along the lines of,
2: you guys went up to winter quarters?
1: <laughs> and he says, uh, I can't remember what he said. He said something like, make sure you don't take something. Yeah, he
2: said something along It was along this with...
1: weird ominous warning that like, we just didn't expect, right?
2: Yeah, we just kind of blew him off.
1: We're like, oh, he's just being old. I don't know if it was a supernatural something speaking through him, or if he was just like, hey,
2: I've had an issue like that in the past, and be aware, it's spiritual. Yeah. This becomes kind of the, the beginning point of just a crazy uh, next year, and it only gets worse from here.
1: Okay, so now nightfall. We're all teenagers ready to do something fun. All the older people are, you know, gearing up for bed. It's like 10 p.m., maybe 11 p.m. And, you know, some of them are setting up in their tents and just getting ready to go to sleep because it was a big family gathering, so there's a lot of people sleeping in tents, including us. So we're, you know, planning to do something because we're kind of bored and we don't want to sit and watch the movie and stuff. And, you know plus we're in Schofield, you kind of got to seize those opportunities, right? So it's a place that has such high energy. And we're back in these days, we were really into the ghost hunting thing. It was like one of the pastimes we would always do, you know, even when we were in in Salt Lake City, you know, in our hometown, you know, we're like, let's go up to the the old school. So this is the school that we mentioned earlier that has the, that used to house the charred bodies during the mine disaster. So we all decide to just walk over there. We're cruising over. And I just remember the bats flying over our heads constantly. There's just bats up there like crazy. So it's already a little creepy and we're on edge just a little bit. And I think we had our cousin Emily and our cousin Denise with us. And then we had Sean, the guys that are here with you right now, we went up to the school, and you know the school's actually locked, so you're not allowed to go in after hours. They do tours during the day, but after hours you're not allowed to go in. So we made a little bit of a boo boo, and we broke in. So we used somebody—I don't know who it, who did it—but no, somebody used. got to call ourselves adventurous. We're teenagers, you know.
2: You, you got to understand this school's old, and I'm not making excuses, but I believe the back door actually never shut all the way. Yeah. I think the last time we were there last year, it was actually fixed and shut all the way. Yeah. But I recall that it was super easy just to open the back
1: door. Yeah, it's those really old school door frames that are just kind of, you know, the door doesn't quite fit it because it's a little bit newer door with an old frame, and so it's just not quite right. So yeah, we get in there and we had our little camera which i think it was an old school like sony camera or something we used to use, had some night vision capabilities and everything. And so we get in there and the cool thing about that school is when you first walk in, it's kind of built the really old school way. Like, you know, when they used to say you're going to the principal's office and it's this long walk and you have to go all up up all these stairs and everything. The way that the school is set up is it's basically when you first walk in, where we walked in is just the gym, it's the gymnasium. So it's this huge open basketball court basically. And then if you were to walk past that, then you've got staircase, staircases going down and staircase going up. And the one going straight up to the very top floor is the principal's office. And then there's some that go down to like the locker rooms and there's other classrooms and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen Salem's Lot too, but it reminds me of the school in Salem's Lot too. Yes, very much. A lot of the schools back then were built that way because the principal could watch everything from where he was at. He was the top dog, right? Yep. The warden of the school, if you will. And so, yeah, when we would go in, it was the basketball court. It was very echoey, and then you could walk all the way through. What we did is we kind of just walked in in general. I don't know if we went all the way in or if we just hung out by the basketball court area.
2: Yeah, from, from what I recall, we, uh, we opened the door and there was a little table. Because it was, it was there's was a little table kind of, you know, five, 10 feet in, maybe if that, um, for when they did the tours and they explained all the disasters and things. Um, and so there's this desk sitting there we didn't quite go all the way in um, but we went in enough that we could place the camcorder by itself with no one else in there um, just to see what we would catch we've had a lot of success with doing this kind of technique we don't use a whole we never really used a whole lot of technology we we kind of more felt like supernatural entities would make themselves known yeah by not using a lot of tips and tricks and things so we leave this camera there we always kind of shut the door I believe one of us actually put a rock at the end of the door, and we are clearly uh, away from that area of the school. We actually go all the way around to the front um, in the event that we would not hinder or uh, make false positives on the the tape recorder or the camera recorder there.
1: Yeah, what you can hear on the recording, because we have a video of it too, uh, which is probably the best video we've ever caught of any type of ghostly occurrence, but you hear the girls laughing. (laughs) You can hear them in the background. And then it kind of goes away because that's proof that we walked all the way around and then went all the way down the stairs, all the way to the main road and just went away from it and just went and talked. We went over, I think by the little canal, right? It was pretty far away from the school. Yeah. And you can tell when it's by itself, like it's just completely like static sound after that, you know, just dead quiet in there and that oh my gosh that place i just remember when we did get in there it felt so like heavy the, yeah. the air was so heavy in there you know like it was feeling like the gravity was like 10 times the normal gravity
2: yeah and it almost feels like the like you completely lose all of your energy in your body it's almost like you just worked out for 12 hours yes for no reason and you just you, you're drained it's it's incredibly an interesting feeling when you're in that Oh, yeah.
1: I would say about 50% of our listeners here, Romans listeners rather, Supernatural Station listeners, thank you very much, are probably somewhat interested in this already. And they've probably had an experience like this where you just feel like it's heavy. It just feels very heavy. Your energy's drained. You're tired. You're like, man, did I just do construction all day today? Yeah, and a lot of people theorize that that's the spirits trying to Take some of your energies so they can manifest. You know, who knows if that's actually true, but that's what a lot of people think, right? So that's pretty interesting. And so we we leave it alone and we come back. What was it? Maybe an hour later, oh, thirty minutes later. Yeah, it was about thirty. Minutes. Thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clear. You know, during the video. So when we actually come back and we finally watch the video, there's a lot of stuff on there, and Sean can go into that.
2: Yeah, so um, I'd say I think it was close to maybe the five-minute mark. After you could hear us leaving, you can hear us shutting the door. I'd say about five minutes rolls by, and then you start hearing things going on and being thrown inside yeah, of this gymnasium. Yeah, loud Jamaican. bangs. You're hearing. Yeah, it starts out with a lot of bangs, and we'll, we will play the audio for you. Um, because we've actually saved it, so we will play this here in just a minute. But you will hear uh, it starts out with a lot of bangs, as if uh, somebody's trying to bang on a door or throw or something. You know, sounds you know, it, angry. You you know, it's, like it's a weird that angry. we
1: left that in there. What's weird is before that, though, like right before the stuff gets thrown, I remember click click on the yes. camera. Yes, and then I remember click. And then I remember the camera getting moved just as yeah. it had the video the camera sits Dude, and shakes a little started. I know me too it barely to tilts it. and I know people are going to be like you guys are up in the night cuz it looks so accurate cuz it is accurate It's like something was trying to shut it down they were upset that we had some something in their space and that we were recording what was going on in there you know that's what it felt like and then the loud bang started happening cuz exactly. it was angry you know right. that we were getting away with filming it and for whatever reason it couldn't shut off the camera
2: Yeah so yeah so you're right thank you did that there definitely was something by the camera, and it was trying to figure out what it is, how to shut it off. It definitely knew something it didn't like. Um, and then that's when you start hearing banging um, kind of down the hallway, almost towards the stairs, yeah. kind off the camera a little bit. Um, and then afterwards, you you hear this, uh, this really evil, like, laughter, creature laughter, almost demonic. Yeah, almost think
1: about it like this. If you've ever dropped a Tupperware, and it's, like, spinning all around itself, it's like... It kind of does that, but it's more of a laugh. You can hear a mixture of that and a laugh at the same time. It's a really creepy sound, and it's like, yeah, I wish I could imitate it. And, you know, we didn't see any of this happen, you know, real time. Obviously, it took us a while to actually realize what we captured. We had to go back and replay the camera, which we didn't even do that night. I think it took us, because the camera was low battery anyway, you know, by the time we picked it up and everything. So we actually didn't review any of this stuff until later. Y'all, we were sitting on a gold mine and had no idea.
2: And you know, that, that reminds me too, if you, if you guys are out there, your listeners, if you want to get on um, YouTube and just Google the Schofield School, there are actually other ghost hunters where this has been a very hot spot, that they've captured some very, very, um, I'd say good evidence of something supernatural going on in there.
1: And we didn't have ours posted anywhere, but we kind of started that process, I feel like. I mean, we were the first video before they started doing YouTube ones, but hey, there you go. At least you know it's an actual hot spot. As promised, now is the time to go ahead and show you the audio from our Schofield School ghost hunt that we were just speaking of. Please take a listen and uh, just check it out, see what you think. And I think the the scariest thing is what happened that night. So we get back, you know, we go inside to the Schofield little cabin house that we have you know, we kind of tell everyone we're back from our little adventure and we kind of just get gear up for bed, right? So we're getting ready to go to sleep. And um, the, the house was so full. It's not the biggest house in the world. It only has a few bedrooms and there's a little loft upstairs. So it's, it's pretty full in there. And the house, the family's pretty big. So, you know, the place where we, because we're strapping teenage boys, um, they just want us to sleep out on the lawn say, and the hey, pitch so a tent. There you guys go, pitch your tent and go to sleep. So, you know, we're gearing up to go to bed and that's where we go is to our tent. And this is when all hell breaks loose. Yeah, but you can't forget about roasting marshmallows first. I think we roasted a few marshmallows, then we went to the tent, and it was kind of cold. It's like a it's it's a mountain town, you guys, so like we like, had flannel and jackets and you hear like all those rustling sounds and like there's trailers all in that backyard of, or RVs rather, fifth wheels. And so a lot of our family members are getting in these comfort spots and you can hear everybody's little rustling around. And now we're getting comfy and it's 1130 maybe and everybody's about ready for bed. And I think everybody goes to bed. Oh yeah, by this time you could tell everyone's asleep. Like it's pretty dead quiet, yeah, right?
2: If you're if you're capable of getting the senior citizen discount, you are, you're gone.
1: Just picture exactly where we were at. We were basically wanting to be the furthest away from everybody else. I mean, it's camp. Right. So the tent that we had was probably the furthest end of the backyard that we had there. And so a lot of the fifth wheels were further up. There was like the fire pit. There was the house or the cabin itself. But then imagine us being way further away from that stuff up on the east corner, basically closest to the road, the next road up and the next grid area where there's like some street lights and stuff like that. And even though it's pleasant valley days and there are more people in the town to celebrate that kind of thing. I mean, this is the time where everyone's just asleep. Like it's dead quiet, you know, all through town. Like there's no one partying. There's no one up, you know, getting wild or anything like that. So it's just bedtime. Like, you kind of know at that point it's, it's it's time to rest your head. And then, you, you know, as soon as the sun comes up, you're ready to kind of have some fun again. And the reason we're putting this context in is because we want you to know that we were basically the only ones awake. We always are.
2: Yeah. So we have this tent, right? And the interesting thing about after we got back from the school is none of us really ever felt right. There was something that we just felt like something was off right it was like we were being followed and watched the entire time after that
1: like we picked up some hitchhikers it really felt that way just that heavy feeling it was always heavy so like seriously the whole time we're in Schofield after that was just kind of heavy
2: so we get in this tent we're getting ready for bed we're kind of talking about our experience we haven't reviewed anything yet and picture a a very old nineteen like I don't know forties, fifties street light, right? I mean it's, it's nothing it's it's almost, it's very old.
1: It's very orange light. You know how there's like that old orange light from those old seventies movies? Yeah. It's not the it's really not the it's LED not yellow and it's now. not LED, it's like orangey, it's almost right. dead. So,
2: the, so this light um, is kind of our only night light and it hangs, I don't know, 20 feet off the ground, So and it, and it broadcasts downward. So think of the light to, almost directly over our tent in a vertical way, right? It wasn't far off to the side. It wasn't down the road. It was almost directly over us.
1: Yep, and so we, we all pass out, right? We're asleep, and now comes, what, 3 in the morning, somewhere around that it was, time yeah, frame? Yeah, it,
2: it was about 2 or 3, somewhere in that time frame.
1: I don't know if it was the uh, situation we're about to tell you that woke me up or if it was that I had to pee really bad, but it was like probably (laughs) 2 or 3 in the morning. That
2: did happen too, by the way, but um, I don't know if it was the peeing. I think the peeing came after what we were about to tell you.
1: But (laughs) I'll tell you this. I was in the middle of the tent. My cousin was on my right and my brother was on my left and I was laying on my back or on my side. And I woke up probably having to pee, maybe hearing some noise, who knows. But I do remember I woke up and it seemed like there was wind, like so much wind. Like, I was like, wow, this tent is getting blown around. And so I kind of like look up and I just remember seeing the best way I can describe it is little hands pushing on every area of the tent, every area. And the coolest thing about this is that that's Jaren's experience. I also looked up at the tent. I was awake at that moment, too. And I think Sean was even awake. We were all awake without... Each of us knowing that we we're all awake. Because I,
2: I specifically remember looking at the, the two of you and all of us. Were eyes were wide open. Wide open. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you mentioned wind because, like, I, I never really thought of wind at that time. But n- until you mentioned it now, there is absolutely no way it would have been any wind. No because way. Absolutely no sound, no leaves, no rustling of any kind. Well, so and,
1: and clear as day, you could see the, f- the outline, perfect shape of little hands. And it felt like to me, like there was maybe like six different groups of hands, yeah. you know, like six different individuals yeah. coming in. And you could even hear, I could hear giggling, uh, I, I laughter, hear giggling. Yep. Uh, like little children laughter.
2: High pitch giggling. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. So from my experience, again, being in the middle of the tent, I just remember seeing the wind or thinking it was wind, looking up, seeing hand impressions hitting our tent. And I'm like, wait a second. Some of those hand impressions, and I'm freaking out right now in my mind, oh, yeah. but I'm like, some of these hand impressions are on the top of the tent, and if somebody was trying to do that from outside the tent to scare us, they would fall into the tent. Especially Because it was vertical. Child. Right. And you're looking at the street light that we're bringing up earlier. The reason we brought that up is because we want to show you that there was no shadows either. Like, you would see a shadow projecting off of each of those arms and hands through the tent because it's a street light. We didn't see anything. Yeah. It was yeah. just hands.
2: And this is a bigger tent too, by the way. So you can't just have, you know, you can't just reach over to the top. This was an adult, probably four or five, at least like five, a five person, five yeah. person. Yeah, the, ba-
1: the base was way too wide for a young child to to lean over that way in, in such a way to be able to touch the top of the tent that way. So we're basically getting tormented, right? And I'm like, what is going on
2: here? Yeah, and it's shaking like violently. violently. Yeah, and yes. I didn't even want to we look. Just scared. I did yeah. not even
1: want to look at my brother Roman this time. At the supernatural station narrative here. I wanted to stay in a still position and not move at all. because That, I didn't that want was my thought. I'm just going to sit still and ho- hope to ride this scary situation out. So I didn't know if Roman was awake, but I did know that my cousin Sean was awake because I was facing him and I opened my eyes and after looking around at everything else, and his eyes were, I mean, he looked like he saw a ghost. It's like what they always say in the movies. We just stared at each other, didn't do anything. I don't even know how it happened, but somehow, maybe all the adrenaline, who knows, we just pass out and fall asleep. And a lot of people will say when they see ghosts or have an experience like this, sometimes that happens to them where they're they are just out, and they can't explain how they could have fallen asleep in such a terrifying situation. But we all passed out. We fell asleep. And the next morning, we're up, and we're getting ready to have some breakfast and everything. And we're, the first thing on all of our minds is, well, first, we're going to come together and ask, did we all experienced what we thought we did, right? Is our story the same? Correct. And it was. Like every one of us, you know, we come together and we're like, did that happen? And yes, of course it did. It wasn't a dream, right? And then we start asking our cousins and our other family members if it was them, right? If they were the culprits, if they had something, they were playing a joke on us or something, right? Everyone we asked was like, no, what are you talking about? Like we were all asleep, you know, and it was just like, you could tell they were telling the truth. They weren't messing with us. And knowing our cousins, they would love to relish that moment to say, Yeah, heck yeah, we scared you guys. How did that feel? Robert and Catherine and all those older ones, they, they were in love with trying to do that. Right. But there you go all of them said nope and even if they denied it and they supposedly did it There's no way because again the street light proves it was impossible. That. Yeah, and, and the way that the tent was way shaped Way too big exactly for that yeah I'm Those afraid. little tiny hands on those t- on the tent was like I, I I don't even know how to put an age to it But maybe like a like little eight-year-old type yeah. hands, you know something like that So pretty dang small hands, you know, and nobody was about eight in our little family gathering So of course we're trying to rule out anything that seems suspicious anything that seems fraudulent. I mean, we were asking everybody and I mean, just ruling out the normal things too, you know, things that we wouldn't have to ask other people for if it was just people in the area or whatever, right? So we just really referenced everything we could think of and came to no avail. So then we all kind of just look at each other and we're like, those hands were small. Those hands were children hands. We were just at the school. We should listen to the recording and the video we just took.
2: Yeah, and I believe that's when we actually started going through the evidence was that morning.
1: I have chills thinking about this now because that really was, like, we came to that conclusion and we were like, oh my gosh. And by the way, we'd we gone to Schofield after that. Nothing like that ever happened again. I think... We somehow invited it by going into that school and, like, kind of disturbing the atmosphere and whatever residual or um, remaining spirits were there. They they took advantage of it. Like, oh, these guys want—they want something? Like, here we go. Let's go mess with them, you know? And so um, that was interesting. That was probably, probably one of my scariest paranormal memories. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, so— um, it's just really, really freaked me out. Kind of changed my perspective from that moment on. So it's it's interesting, you know. I, I can't imagine really very many children dying in that explosion. If I'm trying to put the pieces of history together, or are we just being, um, was it a manifestation of some kind to try to make us think because it came from the school? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, so
1: the Belief Hole guys, when they did our podcast, they kind of told this, our, our story here. We're just going more into depth with it. But when they talked about it, they, they kind of brought up different energies and... maybe why the children were coming at us and stuff like that it made me think a little bit I mean honestly if it was kids coming at us like that maybe they the energy in general was trying to find their parents maybe the minor disaster killed both of their parents and then they had to live off The school system or you know foster care or something and so then they died with an unanswered situation and so their energy lived on in the school and then they were oh somebody's here let's maybe this is my parents right and you know know? there's no right answer nobody really knows what happens right after we die and stuff but my personal belief is that and i think these guys agree with me it's it's just hard to imagine that the spiritual like that you know heaven what if there's heaven whatever that they would allow children to live on as like wandering spirits right so i get really cautious when it's a child type apparition because I'm like it, it just can't to me yeah. it doesn't make sense
2: yeah it seems more trickery than yeah anything. it's more trickery that's what and I definitely agree.
1: that experience we had felt very trickery like it felt like it was trying to mess with us right yeah if it was just children spirits energy we wouldn't have the feeling we had right so it was maliceful it was a little angry it was a little disturbing resentful yeah yeah yeah, but I hope you guys love that story. I mean, it, it's a memory we have and we're going to have it forever. I'll never forget it. It was just intense. And um, I'm sure a lot of people have had experiences that may be similar and I'd love to hear your stories. So please, if you have any paranormal experiences or, or any experience, really, I mean, I'm open to anything that's paranormal related, whether it's UFOs or cryptid stories or any of those things. I'd love for you to, to tell me those stories and I'll put them on the podcast. You can email me at romanishere at gmail.com for the time being. Um, I'd love to hear your stories and, and maybe we can get to get it on the podcast here. But I hope you enjoyed that. Hope you had a good time with us and just kind of hearing what what we went through. Thanks for having us, Roman. I mean, it was a great time to be on here just to be able to tell our story and have fun together. It's a Friday night. We want people to enjoy their time with each other and just really share their experiences. Cause again, we don't really know until we know, and maybe we'll never know, but it's a fun topic for sure. Oh yeah. And we'll do this again. We'll have this same crew together and we'll tell more of our stories because they're unique between the three of us. I mean, the three of us share paranormal experiences together, which is interesting, but there's something about the three of us when we get together that kind of, I feel like draws in that energy a lot more than if it's just one of us by ourselves. Thank you for being with us and we'll see you next time. See you later.